say one more time, we truly are thankful to be back at the house of the Lord. And uh, I'm glad God's given us another year. I'm glad that He's allowed us to come back to this place one more time. Sure, I'm glad that you had confidence to call us. I love this church. I've always loved this church. After I got saved, this is where I was baptized. Of course, I'm way up in Kentucky now, but you'll always have a special place in my heart. Amen. And uh, I love you. I just want you to know that tonight. And uh, truly are thankful for God's blessing on my life. I appreciate your understanding for not being here last night. Me and my wife didn't get home till later from the hospital. Uh, the baby was having trouble eating. He had had a little procedure before we left and uh, felt like my wife really needed me at home last night. And so I appreciate that. Uh, we'll ask you to pray for him. We took him to his first appointment today. He's turning a little yellow. They said his labs are real close to needing to be admitted and go under that billy light. And uh, took him out in the sun some today. We're going to try that and go back tomorrow and see. <clears throat> I may not even be here tomorrow night, depending on if he gets admitted again. So you pray for him. I'd love to be here. This is where I want to be. And uh, don't want to go back to the hospital. <clears throat> so you pray for him. I wonder tonight if there's something on your heart, anything before we get started. All right. <clears throat> If you want to read along with us, uh, we'll be in the 14th chapter of the book of Mark. 14th chapter of the book of Mark. If you don't have your Bible tonight, if you plan on coming this week, I'd encourage you to bring one. We take for granted that this is the Word of God. And, uh, you know, I, I've been around lots of folks. It's a big thing up in my part of the country in Kentucky. They, they some churches around up there that nobody in that church brings their Bible. They just trust their preacher. And uh, I, I'll tell you, I appreciate the trust and the confidence that you have in your preacher. Your pastor's a good man, but he's just as capable of making mistakes as the next guy. And you need to bring your Bible. I've heard folks, they say, well, I have a hard time focusing in church. Bring your Bible. Read along. You'll understand what we're reading and talking about. So, Mark chapter 14. I'll start at the first verse. It says, After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he sat at meat. There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, and this is where we're going to take most of our thought from, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone, why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a, wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do, good, do them good. But me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of a memorial of her. I've got one verse. I've contemplated reading it. I feel like I need to. Psalms chapter 22. And I'll just read the third verse. This is speaking about the Lord. It says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. 
So I always feel like I need to read tonight. And, uh, you know, there was, I, I preached along these lines with my church uh, maybe about a year ago going on at this point. And for the longest time, I've just felt in my heart like there's sometimes when we come to the church, there's just some things that we're missing. And, uh, you know, we come to the house of God and we appreciate your attendance. I do believe that your attendance, according to the Word of God, is mandatory. I know that we live in a church age nowadays where they say, I just need Jesus, I don't need religion. I'll see them signs from time to time that says things like, a church for people who don't like church. I'll just be honest with you, the only kind of folks that don't like church is lost people. And uh, I just want you to know tonight that the church and the house of God is important. But I also believe that it's vitally important what you do once you get here. And uh, you know, lots of times there's folks and, and we think that our attendance just means that God owes us something that He's going to pass by. And that's not the case. God don't owe me and you a single thing and I would hate to show up and approach God in that fashion like He owes me something. He don't owe me anything, but brothers and sisters, I stand here tonight as a saved man and I can tell you that I owe Him everything. I owe Him my life. I owe Him my service. I owe Him my worship. I owe Him everything that He's ever given me. Just like Job, if He wanted to take it all away, He can give it and He can take it. It's all His in the first place. He's been awful good to us, brothers and sisters. And I look around and I see a house of God that's been awful blessed. And I see folks in this place that's got on fine clothes. And I'm sure you're not hurting for food. I'm sure you're not hurting for clean water. You've got it better than the vast majority of the folks in this world have it. And you know, we oftentimes, because we've had it so good, we just think that God owes it to us. We're His children. He'll take care of us. And that is a reality. He will take care of us. But God don't owe me and you anything. But I can tell you when we show up to the house of God, me and you owe God some things. Me and you owe God our time and our hearts and everything that's about us, we owe it to Him tonight. And I want you to know that over here in this Scripture, I got to think, and I'll get to that here in just a second. You know, as a young man, I've heard about these revivals of yesteryear, and I've thought about this meeting, and I've thought... So many times when I've been in this place in years gone by, we've just been so close. And I mean, it just seemed like the Spirit of God just wants to move. It seemed like sinners are on the verge of getting right. And it seems like we're just so close to getting where we want to be. And the thing is, I want to tell you tonight that we can get there. And we can find the power of God and have the power of God. God's not changed a bit. But I can say that through the years and through the church services that I've been in, around Baptist folks. God's not changed, but our attitude about church has changed. Our heart towards God has changed. And our ability as Baptist folks to worship in spirit and in truth has absolutely changed. And you know, I got to thinking about worship here a while back. And you know, at every denomination, and, and I, I'm a young man, and I see these young men online, and I see these different preachers, and everybody's got their own form and their own version of what they think worship is. Lots of folks nowadays, they have just big rock concerts. I don't know what else to call it, but it's just a big rock concert. And they'll play music and get you swaying and get you feeling emotional. It's not the Spirit of God, but it's an emotion. And they get you swaying, and they say that that's worship. I've heard other folks that they 
speak in tongues and they do this and that and they say that's worship and that's two very extreme ends of the spectrum but I want you to know tonight that the Bible says if we worship God we must worship Him in spirit and in truth my whole life we've had the truth I believe that with my whole heart if I didn't I wouldn't be a Baptist but we've got the truth but the reality is if we want to worship God there has to come a time that we're just willing to worship Him. Also in the Spirit. I want you to know that I got to thinking, well, you know, I've heard this definition and I've heard that definition. And you know, I thought to myself one time, what even is worship? I mean, listen, most of us feel like worship is an emotion, feel like it's something that we get and we must be feeling the Spirit of God. We've got to feel this. We've got to do X, Y, and Z. And then we might stand up to our feet and say something. But can I tell you that worship is not about what we get, but it's absolutely about what we give. You know, most of the time, when we show up to church, we show up expecting to get something. I want the singing to be good so I can be fed. I want the preaching to be good so I can be fed. I want somebody around me to get stirred up in the Spirit so I can hear them good testimonies and be fed. But can I tell you, if that's your attitude coming to the house of God, you will not worship God when you're here. You'll sit here and just think and take and take and take and never be willing to give back. Did I not just, I heard amens when I said it earlier, when I said I owe the Lord everything. You owe the Lord everything. And worship is not about what we get, but it's about what we give to an almighty God. I wrote this verse, I wrote this definition down. I've stuck it in my Bible. It's been there for about a year now to remind me that when I come to church, it's not about what I gain. It's not about what I receive from the man of God. It's not about feasting at His table. But there is some times that God just expects us as His people just to give back to Him. Give our hearts and our lives and our times back to Him. And worship means to adore to pay divine honors to, to reverence with supreme respect and veneration. It's not about what you gain and it's not about even really, it's not even really about what you feel. It's about what you can give back to God. And that's where we find this little woman in the Scripture. Listen, over there in the book of Mark, she's a little unnamed woman, but you can find in the book of John that this is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And I mean, listen, she had a lot to praise God for. She had a lot to worship God for. And coming into the last week of his life, she did something that was so precious that the Bible says that her name will be mentioned throughout all time. And you and I just read over this and we see her little act of service and don't think nothing about it. But it was all that she had. It was the best that she could do. And in that hour, she gave what she could to the Lord. You see, it was Jesus Himself who even said, she's done what she could. You know what a blessing and an honor it would be after we've been to church for the Lord to say about the Fed Missionary Baptist 
church. They did what they could. They did everything that I told them to do. They prayed before they got to the house of God. They cleaned out their wells and cleaned up their hearts. They got there and they just worshipped me. They adored me. They loved me with all that they had. Could you imagine the testimony of a church where God said they've done what they could? You know what a blessing that would be? Our altars would get cleaned up. Folks' marriages would get fixed. People's hearts and lives would change. If you get the ability to worship God in spirit and in truth, if you're willing to give your whole life and your whole heart and your whole self to Him, I want you to know that your life will radically change. Even as a saved man. Just because you're saved does not mean you truly understand how to worship. And just because you've been born again for 40 or 50 years does not truly mean that you've ever truly learned just to let go and give it all to God. Everything that you have. And just worship. You know it's changed so much in my time. And I'll get to the scripture in just a second. I'm just laying some groundwork. But it's changed so much in my time. You know, I hear about new revivals where folks, they run the back of the pews. And listen, you know, I've heard about them where they shouted and 10, 15, 20, 30, and 40 would be saved and baptized. And we say, oh, can't have that today. That's the problem. It's our attitude. It's our heart. And if our heart's in that shape, we will not when we come into the house of God. Can I tell you what I read to you over there in the book of Psalms when it talks about worship? It says that the God of Israel inhabits their praises. You know what that means to me? That God inhabits the praise of His people. He really does. I'll read you some places or talk to you maybe in a minute in some Scripture, but there's times where God wasn't really around and the children of God just got to praising, just got to raising their hands, just got to saying, Amen, thank you, Lord. And the Spirit of God come by and great things happened. But what had to happen first was the children of God got to the shape that God they was and then God begins to inhabit their praise. You know, I've heard folks, and me, me and a friend discussed this not long ago, but he was asking me about when church is dead. What do you do when church is dead? And I just say you just worship. Listen, it's not about our situation. It's not about how well the Spirit of God is moving. Listen, you can worship God in the worship you can worship God when you've lost everything. Listen, Job never sinned against God. He refused to curse God like his wife said. And the reason that he did is because God gave it and God can take it away. And even though he was lost his health and lost his family, even though he had lost his finances, he still knew God. And he still had everything. And even though he didn't have a penny to run together, he was still more blessed than the richest man in the world that don't know nothing about God. Because he was God's man. He loved the Lord. He was upright in His sight. And you don't have to have much. You know, most of the time we're willing to worship God when we get things or when good things happen in our lives. But what about in the hard times? What about in the bad times? Are you just going to stop worshiping? Are you just going to stop adoring Him? Are you just going to quit loving Him? Or can you still say, I'm weak and I'm broken, but I've still got something glorious? Down in my soul, I've got 
regardless of what life has thrown my way, if you're saved, you're blessed tonight. And you've got great honor and glory in your soul if you know the Lord in the free pardon of sin. And you know so many times we think that our ability to worship is based on our circumstances. Our circumstances change or worship changes. What about Paul and Silas in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts? Do you think they had anything to worship God over? I mean, yes, sure. Back before there was people saved, yes, sure, they had victory over that one that was possessed with the devil, that they had been beaten, and they had been thrown in the most inner part of that prison. And they were laying there at the midnight hour, hurting, didn't know how long they was going to be there. Everything that they had known, their freedom had been taken away from them. And most of us, as Baptist folks, if we was persecuted, truly persecuted for the gospel, it'd be easy for a lot of us to give up. But what does the Bible say that they did at the midnight hour? It says they begin to pray and begin to sing praises under their God. And you know what happened at that midnight hour? Regardless of how bad that their circumstance was, they begin to worship God. And where was God? He showed up in the midst of their worship. There's times that He's just sitting back, just waiting on you, still to say, thank you, Lord. Your life don't have to be perfect in order to praise God. Your walk don't have to be the cleanest thing the world to praise God. I want you to know that we still have an ability in our to worship God. And the God of Israel did what? He inhabited their praise. You know, I've heard folks preach about Paul and Silas and say that God was going to break them out. That they was praying that God would break them out. I don't believe that for a moment. I believe that they in their heart was praying, God, break me out of prison. When the earthquake came and the doors came open, I think they would have bolted and ran out of there and said, thank you, Lord, for getting us out. But listen, the doors came open and they were all there. I don't believe that God was trying to break them out. I believe that God was breaking when he was going to inhabit their praise because they began to love him even in the hardest of circumstances. And he showed up. And you know what happened when the Spirit of God showed up? A Philippian jailer got saved. His house got changed. His life got rearranged. And the children of God, all it took was for them to worship first. And I tell you tonight that it's not a waste to worship. You'll never waste your time. You'll never waste your life. You'll never waste your energy if you worship an almighty God. It's not a waste to take time. Devote some time to read your Bible. Devote some time to pray. It's not a waste when we get to the house of God just to praise and honor Him every possible chance that we get. You know this little woman over here in Mary. She had a box and it was very precious. It was an alabaster box. And boy, you get to studying on these things in history. And I mean, listen, it was a precious thing that she had in her possession that she broke on the ground and then she poured on Jesus. It was a precious thing that you and I as carnal men would say it was a waste to do that on the Lord. Just like Judas who stood with indignation in his heart. 
He said, that was a waste. <laughs> it was a waste to take that box and her act of service to the Lord. Pour it on his head. And I know that he tried to be self-righteous and say we could have sold it and give it to the poor. But Jesus recognized and realized that it was an act of service and love on her part. And she did what she could. And he said it would be given as a testimony for all time. That if you praise God and you worship God... It's not a waste. Over there, this alabaster box was precious. I mean, just the stone, the alabaster stone that made up this outside of the box, the wood that made up this box, most of the time they was made down in Egypt and the box itself was valuable. I mean, it was almost priceless. Listen, the vast majority of them was poor, just like me and just like you. They didn't have a lot of extra money. And if somebody had an alabaster box and it had this ointment in it, it was a precious family possession, or possibly even an heirloom. For listen, the ointment that was in this was like a perfume. And it was something that was crafted and made. I mean, it comes from a plant high up in the Himalayan mountains. It's dangerous just to go get it. It takes months and months to extract the oils out of that plant. It takes time and effort just to put it together in this one little vial. They put it in this vial. And listen, this box is sealed and it's precious. You know how much one of them would cost in today's time? It costs about fifteen to $20,000. And you know most of us would say, well, it's a good thing that she did that. But I don't know that I could. That's the problem. Listen, this is coming from a bunch of Baptists that most of the time have a hard time dropping a 20 in the plate. Listen, I want you to know that it was something precious that she had. And she saw that there was one that she could give it to in an act of service that would be a blessing to him. And she was willing to give. It was an entire year's wages for them just to get one of these boxes. And listen, most of the time, they was either passed down as a family heirloom or it was a gift for a wedding or a burial. They was used on the honeymoon night to put on you. And this ointment would last a long time. It would last all through the feast days, all the way up through the honeymoon. Listen, or it was used on a dead body so that it would keep it from stinking so bad over there in that Arabic king. And it was expensive. It wasn't just something that you just willy-nilly gave out. It wasn't just something that just by chance that you happened to give it away. And I don't believe that Mary was a rich woman. It, listen, it was probably something precious to her. And you know, she might have thought within her heart, oh, I'll get to use this box one day on my honeymoon. I'll get to use this box one day when I'm buried. But listen, after she met Jesus and fell in love, with Jesus after Jesus completely changed her life she was willing to give one of the greatest things that she had over to him for free in an act of service and you know I'm so thankful so thankful that it's not a waste to worship 
You know, I know, listen, I've been around Baptist folks my whole life. And you know, we all want our friends to be saved. We all want our family to be saved. Some of your families in rough shape. They might be on the verge of going to jail or going to die. And listen, you might say, I want them to get something. But you ever been around somebody that's been radically changed and then they become almost fanatical and then they say, whoa, I wanted you to be saved, but I didn't want you to go that far. And I want you to know that when you begin to read that Bible and you begin to read about what our lives are supposed to be under God, listen, our bodies are to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's our reasonable service. What other way is there to be but to be sold out and all the way in everything that you've got given to this place and to the Lord. What other way is there to be tonight, brothers and sisters? You see, with this box, it was very precious. It was expensive. And listen, when she takes this thing and she breaks it on the ground, there's no going back. You know, when she broke that vow, it said that she took it and she poured it on his head. The book of John says she poured it on his feet. And she took her hair and wiped his feet and anointed him. You might say, which one was it? I want to say it was both. I mean, she poured that precious ointment that she had. And it run from the top of his head to the sole of his foot. And every part of the Savior was touched by her worship. And you know, I want you to know that this act, this simple act of giving this over to the Lord was something that even confounded the disciples. You know, you can read through Scripture and Jesus tells them time and time again, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to have to give myself. And time and time again, the disciples completely missed it. I mean, listen, there was times Peter argued with the Lord. You're not going that way. The Lord had to look at him and say, get thee behind me. I want you to know tonight, though, that this little woman didn't miss it. You know what the purpose of her ordain, or the purpose of her putting this on him was? He said she was preparing him for his burial. Now, I don't know how much Bible reading that you do, but in the Old Testament, there's only three types of people that gets anointed. It's prophets, priests, and kings. Nobody else gets anointed. And listen, if Jesus wasn't all three, He shouldn't have been anointed either. But I want you to know that Mary had spent some time at Jesus speak, listening to His words. Mary and Martha over there when Jesus was in their house, she was the one that sat at His feet and listened to His words. And she took them to heart and knows that His death is coming up. And she wants to anoint Him as the prophet of her life. She wants to anoint Him as the king of her life. She wants to say that He is the high priest. And all she had was all she gave. She gave the best that she had. And God said... She did all she could. Now most of us would be in the same shape as Judas. Say, why would you give something that valuable, something that costly to the Lord? You know when people really begin to worship the Lord, I've been in church long enough to know there's some people that's on and some people that's off. There's some people that's sold out and some people that's just here to fill a seat. And listen, when somebody really begins to worship the Lord, when the Spirit and the power of God falls, there's still folks today that sit back. So there ain't no use in all that shouting. There ain't no use in them just getting saved. And you know, a true worshiper 
and a non-worshipper is easy to distinguish because a true worshipper just loves the Lord. They just want to do what God said. They want to give back to Him their time, their effort, their talent, their ability to sing. They want to give back to Him just a little while. But yet, most of us find ourselves like Judas. That's a waste. That's a waste. But it's not a waste to worship. I know the devil comes and I realize it's hard to get your children to church. It ain't a waste to get them here. I know that sometimes you don't feel like sitting in that pew. It ain't a waste to sit there. I know that sometimes that you've got hardships and struggles in life. But it ain't a waste to come to the house of God. It ain't a waste to try to pray. Give your best effort. And I want you to know that if you begin to praise Him, just to adore Him, and love Him from the bottom of your heart, God will begin to inhabit that praise. And He comes to the house of God and shows us. Over there, you can read where Solomon was getting the temple ready. And it says that he called together his singers. And he sang, it says that they sang and they were in one mind and one heart. And it said they just began to sing because they loved the Lord. And you know what happened? The Spirit of God fell and said it was like a cloud that filled that room. And it said the priest could not measure for the glory of that cloud. And listen, just in the singing, did you know singing is a part of worship? Listen, I, 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 it's a shame I have to preach this nowadays. But listen, singing comes from your heart. It's not amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You know... You can tell folks that loves the Lord. You ain't got to sing the prettiest. Just lift your voice like a church and cry loud. We love the Lord, don't we? We say we love the Lord. Why can't we even lift our voices in praise when we're singing songs about Him? It's not a waste to worship. You might not have the prettiest singing voice, but I can promise you, if you've got a right heart and the person next to you's got a right heart, you will not care. They might not even carry a turn in the bucket, but you won't care. Listen, I love to hear when the children of God just get honest in their heart, begin to lift their voice out of love and respect for their Savior. And you know times that I've seen God pass by in the singing was when the children of God just sung from their heart. It ain't about talent. It ain't about ability. It's about the condition of the heart. That's what God looks on anyway. See, that's what He looked on here. Judas is looking at the financial aspect of this, saying it's a waste. But listen, God saw her heart, and she loved Him, and she had a right to. You know, Judas is looking at her thinking that this act of service and this act of worship is nothing but a waste. But listen, Judas wasn't there when Jesus saved her from her sins. Judas wasn't there as she saw her brother Lazarus get sick. She tried to nurse him back to health. I have no doubt they did everything that he could. But listen, he he just got worse and worse. Judas wasn't there when they sent for Jesus just hoping and praying that he'd pass by knowing that if he were only get there that he'd be willing and able to change that situation. Judas wasn't there for them only four days that she spent wondering where is God? Why hasn't He showed up? And Judas also wasn't there when Jesus finally comes and He weeps over that grave and He says, Lazarus, come forth. And her weeping and her mourning was turned to laughter and turned to joy. 
And you know what I want you to know. That some of you God has rescued out of some bad situations. He saved your marriage. He touched your home. He's got your kids on the right path. And we sit back and we sit back and say in our hearts that we're thankful. But if you're thankful, just lift your voice and praise Him one more time. It's not a waste. It's not a waste to give that effort when you come to the house of God. It's worship. You know, this act of worship not only touched Jesus, but it changed her. I mean, she was all in. It was She couldn't just put a drop on Him. She was all in. And once it was on Him, it was on. Now listen, this ointment was so precious and so powerful that that smell would last about two weeks. You read your Bible about the time that this happened. It's happening in the last week of His life. I mean, He's getting ready to go to the cross. He ain't got long to be with His disciples. And she loves Him and realizes this because she's been at His feet. And she says, He's helped me. He's helped my brother. I just want to give something to Him. And she gives this ointment. You know the smell of that ointment lasted on the Savior all the way through Calvary. All the way to the grave. And all the way on His body when He comes back out of that grave. Her act of worship followed Him. Her act of worship made a difference in the days to come. You say, oh brother, listen, it don't matter if we worship today. It don't matter if we have a bad service today. Yes, it does. Every service that you come into the house of God has eternal consequences. This may be the last time that you ever get an opportunity. Praise the Lord. This may be the last time that some sinner has the opportunity to hear the gospel. This may be the last time that you have the ability to pull and to pray and to beg God to save sinners. You say it don't matter. Yes, it does. Every time you come to the house of God, there is eternal consequences. And we have a lot to praise Him for, do we not? You know what happened when she anointed Him with this oil? I mean, listen, it goes with Him all the way through Calvary. But listen, when she took it and she used her hair and wiped it on his feet, she was identified from that point forward as the one that anointed the Lord. This act of worship followed her as well. I mean, not only did the Savior smell this sweet smelling savor up there on Calgary, on Calvary's tree. Listen, wherever that she went for the next little bit, it followed her too. It made a difference with her. She gave all that she had, but she got to enjoy the blessings as a part of giving all that she had. Listen, she might not have... I know for a fact that she wouldn't have got to use that all if she'd given to the Lord. It was His. It was done. But she anointed him and wiped him with her with her hair, and boy, it begins to follow her. And in the days to come, it makes a difference. For thousands of years, we've preached about this woman. You say, "Oh, my time of worship and this worship service that we have won't make a difference." You still remember days gone by of the best services that you can recall in your mind, and the reason that they were the best services is because the children of God was just willing to worship and turn it over to the Lord. You know, we live in a day where in Baptist churches that this right here, we think this makes us holiness. Can you imagine that? Just lifting up a hand, just waving, saying, thank you, Lord. Say, we don't do that. We're Baptists. We don't do that. That's the problem. 
Oh, listen, shouting has all but died out in our churches. You can find shouting all through that time. That's the problem. Listen, we ought to be free enough, regardless of who's around us, just to stand up and just say, Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings on me. Listen, I want you to know tonight that I've got a lot to praise the Lord for. I mean, over the last three years, I've seen my wife suffer depression. I watched her change from the woman that I love and go down that deep hole. I've been there when we went down with them surgery suites and they had to take care of them children that had died in her womb. And I want you to know that when I held my baby just a year ago, I, my soul could have just flew out of that place. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for all that you've given me. He saved my soul. He heard my cry. He heard your prayer. And it's not a waste tonight. Just to say thank you, Lord, for all that you've given me. Some might have stood by with indignation in their heart and said she shouldn't have done it. But listen, it had an impact for generations to come. We should have talked about this worship service all along. This was the best that she had. She gives it to the Lord. It covers her. And listen, you got to think about this. Can you imagine? Bethany's not that far from Golgotha. Can you imagine? Listen, that as 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 she goes and as she's about her business, can you imagine if somebody was at Golgotha watching Jesus die? And of all the dirt and the filth and the blood and the sweat and the nasty of Calvary, standing there, just getting a whiff. Something smells good. <laughs> It was what she gave the Lord. <laughs> now I know, I, have, it don't, I don't say this, but I have no doubt. This lasted for weeks because it was so strong. I have no doubt as Jesus was hanging there from time to time in the midst of His suffering, in the midst of His pain, He'd get a little whiff of that precious oil, that act of service that Mary had given to Him. And as He hung there on the cross, His mind would go back that precious woman that did all that she could. And he'd say, I love that woman. She anointed my body for the burial. I'm her king and her prophet and her race. And it's permeated in the nostrils of the Lord. It's precious when we begin to worship God and tell Him how much that we love Him and hold our hands up and testify and sing with the best of our abilities. It's precious in the eyes of the Lord because He redeemed us and He loved us and He expects us still in this day just to worship Him. It's not a waste. It's not a waste to come into this revival and give everything that you've got. It don't matter if it's financial. It don't matter if it's time. It don't matter if it's spiritual. It's not a waste. It's not a waste to worship. It's not a waste to pray over sinners. It's not a waste to get your heart out. I want you to know that it will make a difference with you. And it can go. We can have one of them meetings that they'll talk about for generations, just like this woman. She just worshiped the Lord. Boy, it changed some hearts in that room. It changed some lives in that room. Everybody did in the old book. And we can have a meeting in this place. Well, we'll talk about years to come. Boy, what about so-and-so that shouted and got carried away? What about them three or four or five or six or ten that got saved? You say it can't happen. Listen, you just begin to worship God. You begin to give. It's not about what you get from this place. She got nothing. 
from giving this to the Lord. I mean, she did make it in the book, but she didn't really get nothing. It was just about her heart. Now, most of the time, our worship involved us. Again, did not involve her. This is what she gives to the Lord. It's about Jesus. It's His. I could use it on me, but I'm not going to use it on me. I'm going to put it on Him who's more precious than me. I still believe the Bible, brothers and sisters. If the Lord be lifted up, He says to draw all men into Him. I know that that means between heaven and earth as He hung on the cross. But can I tell you what I've seen spiritually in my life? The children of God just begin to praise. He'll inhabit their praise. He'll be here. We fall in love with Him again. He'll be here. We're willing to worship Him again. He'll be here. And you know what happens when we begin to praise? Big things begin to happen. You say, how do we have church? Just come in and worship Come in willing to give more than you're willing to take. It's not that hard. shouldn't be hard for you. It's not a waste. It's just an act of worship. I love my Lord. I want to give Him the best that I've got. You might say, preacher, this ain't much of a revival message. I don't... What even is a revival message? We just got to preach what's on our heart. And you want the Lord to pass by in this meeting just be willing to worship. It will have that phrase. Oh, again, we talk about it for generations to come. If the Lord passes by your way through this meeting, it don't matter if it's tonight or it don't matter if it's some other time. If God wants you to raise a hand, raise a hand. Don't sit by and say and wonder who's going to judge me. You know what's precious about this woman? Thank you, Lord. You know what's precious about this woman? I have no doubt that she hears Judas in the corner saying, This is a waste. This is a waste. This is a waste. What use is that of doing this? She hears that and she goes passionately because her eyes was on him and him alone. Didn't matter who was around her. She just wanted to worship. Just bow down at his feet. Just kiss him and love him. Just anoint him. Just one more time be in his face. It's not a waste. If God tells you to testify, and I ain't talking about we think, you think that you need to say something and God's not in. I ain't talking about that stuff. I've heard enough people in Baptist churches that'll kill a church just quicker than anything, just standing up with a bad spirit or no spirit at all. I've been around that stuff. But can I tell you if you've got the right touches on you, and you just give him this stuff, just, just to say something or just a minute, it'll let somebody else. It was a blessing to read about this woman. It blessed those in the room as they see this little sinner woman who Jesus had redeemed just bow down and give the best thing that she had to the Lord. Wonder what that would be for you. Wonder what you're willing to give. And most of us are willing to pay. But I'm wondering what you're willing to give tonight. That's when God comes by. It's when He's come by over and over in Scripture. It ain't a waste to worship. God bless you tonight, sir. You say that ain't much of a revival message. Again, what is a revival message? We want to have church, don't we? Let's just have church. When God passes by, let's just have church. Don't quench the spirit of the heart while we stand in shame. It ain't a waste to worship.